This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. (laughs) Have you ever felt anxious? Of course you have. Anxiety is a natural emotion. It is also one of the biggest disorders within mental health. Anxiety is vital. You should feel anxious in certain situations. It's what keeps us alive. Anxiety is what we feel when our body's sense of perceived threat is awakened. When we are in a potentially dangerous situation, our body reacts. Our senses are keener. Blood pressure and heart rate increase. Thoughts may be racing. We feel a little shaky. If there is potential danger that turns into real danger, these bodily reactions are what put us in the flight-fight-freeze mode to keep us alive. Our bodies are in sympathetic dominance. If we are not really in danger, it is better to bring our bodies into parasympathetic dominance, bringing the heart rate back to normal, bringing the blood pressure back to normal, loosening the muscles in our bodies, etc. This is a very hard thing to do when someone is constantly perceiving danger and constantly in a state of anxiety. You've been told to just calm down or relax. This seems so simple, but is so very elusive to those with chronic anxiety. So, is there really anything we can do to bring our bodies into parasympathetic dominance without medication? The answer is yes. Valerie Atelis interviews Meg Young, a licensed clinical social worker and speaker. Meg Young's focus is on restoring and strengthening the sense of purpose among burnt-out helping professionals. She is licensed in Connecticut and Florida and has worked in drug rehab, inpatient psychiatric care, in-home therapy with adolescents and their families, and has been in private practice since 2014. She knew that she wanted to help people through trauma recovery since 1992, when she went through Hurricane Andrew in Miami. Since then, she's had many areas of interest, but all were in the area of trauma recovery. While she worked in a psychiatric hospital, she started to notice the burnout in professionals, which kickstarted that part of her career. She started talking to people about this and going to trainings on understanding burnout. Then several years ago, she had a police officer come to her, which really interested her. She's had a lot of experience with first responders throughout her life, some friends, and some after natural or man-made disasters, but never saw the despair many of them deal with internally. She saw this client's passion come back and the darkness subside and knew she wanted to work with this population. Meet Meg at megyounglcsw.com. Here is the interview with Meg Young. In your own words, who is Megan Young? 
Well, that has changed over the years. I'm not the same person I was five years ago or 15 years ago, but, and I hope everyone hears that if you're not growing, you might want to check a pulse on it. But (laughs) consistently in my life, I have different roles, but consistently I'm I've been a student of life and human behavior. I'm an advocate. I'm a best friend, but I've learned so much from that, that it's definitely steered me in the way that I direction that I am now. And, but what's funny when I just thinking about that, like life stages, the stage that I'm in right now, currently as a mom uh, with two kids, one and four has been the most awakening. It's probably the biggest learning curve, but the most, rewarding. I have more empathy, understanding of the world. So it's right now being a mother, I, you know, that role of student of life has been kind of opened up in a new unexpected way. So, wow. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. It's hard, but it's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. It it sounds incredible to me, (laughs) which I never had the experience and I, it seems like I won't have it. So Talk to me for a moment about that, actually. Is that something that we women who choose or cannot have children, are we missing something? You know, I, I think that, so I, I went through actually a lot of therapy to decide I wanted yeah. to go to this path. Yeah. And um, I think that it's, we can find these experiences and what that means through other people, but it's through that caretaking role, mm. through that role that, you and in a sense of innocence as well that yeah. they, that children bring. Yeah. So whereas my you know my um, I have friends who aren't going to have children, but they're in my life and they're in my life, my kids' life, such in a significant way that I can see them growing from it too. So wow. you know I think if, if it's not children, it's just just observing the magic that they can bring and learning from that. And, you know, it can, it can happen in that way. Right. Anything that's new to life, I guess you could say. My second, let's say, official question to you, Megan, is about grief. What is grief to you from today's perspective? And uh, how would you describe the experience of grief? Grief is unlike any other emotion I have personally felt and what I've seen and other people that I've helped or my family is that it is, I mean, there's stages, sure, but the amount of grief or physical and emotional pull that it brings you and the energy, whether it's bad or you can kind of um, translate that into good at some points of all of it. I mean, it's very, it's a roller coaster, but grief, yes, it is. And I also think it's inevitable for a lot of people. Uh, for most people in life, right? So if you love someone very deeply, uh, this world, we end in death. So grief, as far as death is related, is something that will probably touch everyone's life. And, you know, I help with people with grief that are, you know, divorced. And a lot of people feel that divorce is a very similar path of, of letting go to someone you loved as well. But it's a, it's a, such a deep state that takes you through the longest journey of ups and downs that I have ever experienced and can and consistently have experienced through my own um, loss. So, yeah. 
So I have a, a lot more questions for you on grief, but I'll ask you later on. For now, let me ask you another question. Um, balance. This is something that we hear, the word that we hear a lot about. What is your understanding of balance? Oh, I hate, I hate the word. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, I think that, um, I actually heard one of your interviews where they said it harmony. And that's the word I use a lot for my, for my clients because it isn't, you know, I'm a, I'm a singer actually as well. And harmony to me is, you know, we, if you're in a choir or you're in an orchestra, you're not hearing the drums as loud, maybe at some points and the symbol isn't there as significant. And so, but then there's times where it is. So I think that there's, there's these forces in your life that you kind of have to let come in front and know that just because you aren't giving your time to something doesn't mean it's not important. It just, you just will have to refocus and know that it's still there. Keep very um, conscious of that and in, in your decisions, be very strategic in your days because time is the most important thing that we have. So creating a harmony that flows well with your family and your friends and what you want to give to the world um, is possible. Other than balance, balance is just, I mean, that's, you know, if you look up that, that word and, you know, the definition of it, I just don't feel like it's, it's, it's adequate. So yeah, I, I think that harmony is more of the, the better word for it. I love that. Yeah, because harmony also resonates to me as this natural movement of life, just going through it naturally and flowing with life, basically, and not trying to control every aspect of life and trying to make it perfect. Because balance does sound like that. Um, we're trying to reach perfection, right? A point where we are perfectly aligned with some sort of greatness or goodness and that there's nothing bad happening, or nothing unwanted coming along. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's just, it might be words because most people that I talk to, that's what they're really referring to, to this, the harmony within. Right. Yes. Life. And it, and I think that you, you know, with balance brings a lot of guilt. Um, mm, yeah. of, of if I'm not doing this enough or I'm not, you know, I'm not sticking to this. I'm not giving enough to my friends or, yeah. you know, so it's, it depends on like the, the, the aspect of your life that you really are in and focused on and not trying to, like you said, just force it and allowing it to kind of, if that, if that one thing in your life is dominant, go with that. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to just shun everything out, but, but go with that and make that be your focus and really, um, give it the energy that you, that it deserves really. And then mm, guess yeah. what? If, Next week, you can do something different. Tomorrow, you can do something different, you know, but you kind of have to fill it day by day. What do you think or what do you feel the purpose of the human experience is if there is one? And what would that be if there is a purpose? So I feel like everyone has a purpose. I mean, I, I think that the... But I, but when I, when I hear that question, mm. when my first response is, is that mm. I believe so strongly in community. Right. I think that if we don't nurture our community, literally yeah. Yeah. <laughs> food and friendship and, and, and just fellowship. I mean, I feel like if we don't do that, then we as a human being will not uh, prosper. We will, we won't move forward in life. So I feel 
that our purpose is to help facilitate that, help grow our communities, help grow within us first, obviously, so that we can give back to others. And life, you know, you've, you've spoken a lot about love and I, gosh, that I've never felt it so much now than I have in my life because I have that perspective of losing someone that I've loved and, you know, having a people in my life that I dearly love. So that, and the, and at the end of the day, that's my most important thing. Wow. So yeah. it tracks back to love, like you've said. Yeah. yeah. Your work is about love. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you connect that to community, mm-hmm. this connectivity with people and in life itself too. And you, in ourselves first. Yeah. That's a, a very beautiful and important point um, to me because um, that's how I got to live what we call purpose, which I don't I don't know what that is exactly. Mm. Because we don't want to feel like that other people don't have purpose and then Right. Right. That oh, doesn't make yes. sense. So maybe we can replace that word. I'm not sure what we can say to that. What would you say? Like what comes to mind, Megan? I that's I do not know. I really I I think that that you're right on not if you, I couldn't ask everyone that because I know that that that, that would not only stump them and give almost bring them shame of like, yeah, I don't know, right. I, I'm just living, I'm just living my life in the <laughs> yes. best way I know how, right. and and so right. I think that it's it's just part of of that's a piece to the conversation, yeah. But um, just being able to explain what you love about life in general, it, when you start with just that, it then kind of goes into these other sections of, <laughs> of life, whether it be, you know, your job or your friends or, uh, your travel or, you know, what really excites you about life. And then that way you, it's really like finding your why I love, yeah. I've loved reading about that and how to strengthen that and how it mm. changes year after year at some points. So I think that why your why is probably more important than your purpose. Yeah, what came into mind for me is meaning. Is that the same thing, meaning and purpose, or they're different? You don't use either meaning or purpose. I think for if we're you know we're talking about you know I see people who haven't begun their journey yet, like they they are coming to you because they want to start, like they've been living life, no doubt, yeah. but they but they would like to begin a journey into another self, another level or layer. Yeah, yeah. And I think their meaning or purpose, if you were to kind of nail that down, could be in what they do when they give yeah. the world. But I, I don't know. That's, I, I think that it's a very intriguing question. Uh, what, what would, what did, what, when you gave me that question, what came to mind with you as far as do you, would you change it as well? I love the idea of just, Living life and flowing with life naturally, without labeling even. We, we don't need labels, right, in that case. Although for conversation and, and also in order to, you know, there's so many coaches, I mean, beautiful, amazing coaches out there and so many people trying to help others. And then they, uh, we kind of, we are limited in a way for the words we can use. Yeah, to connect and kind of to resonate with others. And maybe that's why we use those words. But... I do believe that whatever purpose and meaning we have, we already live in it. That's already happening now. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is this idea of being free? 
Oh, I love that. You know, freedom to me is having, choosing the people around you to accept you as you, to where you can live the way you would like to live. You would like to um, express yourself. You know, I had parents growing up that really did that for us. And that, that gave us the freedom to simply choosing what we wanted to wear gave us the freedom to express ourselves in this small little town I'm from. And then also freedom is just a freedom of of choice to to not only live your truth, but under really no rules, but your own or even your higher power, you know? And I think that that is ultimately what I would love for everyone. So you wrote the workbook titled Life After Loss and guided exercise and practice to help you understand grief following the death of a loved one. So talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and also the intention of writing your book. Um, So inspiration. So my sister passed 10 years ago in a car wreck and unexpected three months away from getting married to the love of her life, the most vibrant person in my life, my cheerleader, my advocate. And for these 10 years that she's been gone, it's been brewing in my head um, through my own therapy. So I've done group therapy, uh, grief groups, life coaching for myself. And through that experience, I found that there was one element missing to go home with, to explore what I've worked on or continue the conversation in my, in the privacy of my own home. So that was the inspiration to developing something like a workbook that could help me continue my journey um, outside of one-on-ones or a group or anything of that nature, but also as a stepping stone. There's a lot of people who don't feel that they're ready for that. And so the first exercise is kind of explaining those different types of therapies that are available and what they are and what they can bring. And I think that that was also, I'm, you know, I'm a very, I'm an advocate for myself in the way that I went out and I found all kinds of, um, I found the best therapist. I found the best grief group, but there's so many people who did, who don't. And, and, and I have a lot of family who didn't. So I wanted to make that accessible and give questions because I'd read a lot of people's stories and I loved them and I learned from them, but I wanted something for other people to share their story, write their own book almost by using this workbook and understanding their grief. And speaking of healing to you, it's healing a, um, a destination or a process or something that's ongoing and never ending. Yes. I, it's ongoing, but, and I don't think that it gets, I don't like to say the word better for yeah. people. Yeah. I think yeah. it changes right. and it's year by year for sure. I mean, it's, it's day by day. So for some, especially in that first few stages um, of grief after losing someone, but healing uh, my sister, actually my oldest sister, Lauren, she had some delayed grief and it wasn't until she was ready to really confront that. And I feel like other people are like that delayed grief in the way that you, you really do have to start the journey at some point. And then, so for me, it, it started really early on, but you never, you never quite, you, you move through it, you move through your grief and you never get over it. Yeah. So 
but you find practices, you find ways to cope. And I actually had, I was, it made my heart just so warm. Um, I had a friend I went to high school with and he was in this very traumatic accident. He was actually shot. And um, he posted the other day that he would rather be sitting here talking to this person about his trauma than by himself thinking about it. Mm, and yeah. for this Navy macho man to say this was just like, gosh, he now, see, he gets it now. It, it, it seems so heavy to want to talk about it from the first, but once you start it, yeah. it can be so healing. And, and that that's where your healing begins. That's where your journey begins. The moment you decide you want to, you know, you want to cope, help, find, find therapeutics for it. It makes a lot of sense to me. I love the way you say that same thing in a book, but in a, in a very beautiful way, you write, when you love someone so much that you cannot pack it away, you have to find a way to express it. Ah, oh, yes. And that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's uh, when you say grief changes. So it seems like what happens is that grief is being expressed. And that's why we label as change, it seems to me. I have never been through it, so I don't know, but I talked to so many people and my own husband had the experience with his sister uh, passed away too. So I can see that, that he needs to express the grief, those emotions. That is exactly what it is, to a T. I wish I had some sort of amazing metaphor or example, but it is, it is, it is exactly that. And, um, you express it and then in in, in turn, also you look for ways to bring in the good energy and the good memories and keep and hold tight to those. But again, a lot of people don't have like some of, some of the grief isn't about the good memories. It could be a traumatic experience. And I think that that's where you have to find what's best for you when it comes to how you're going to express that and who you're going to express it with. True, because Um, we're all unique. Yeah, Yeah, very much unique. And then I wonder sometimes for some people, what do you think happens when some of us don't express grief in a, let's say, healthy way and we choose to numb instead. That unfortunately happens too. So have you seen the difference between what makes one person more resilient and more expressive than others? Do you think women are better at it? I mean, I have the most experience with women, but you know, my dad, I will say, no, my dad is a father of three girls. So I think he's probably learned a lot from us. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) But, but, but he has, he has, so he lost his mother at 14 and um, a lot of, so this is the, this is the thing guys. (laughs) Um, He lost his mother at 14 and a lot, because he never addressed those emotions. And he really honestly wasn't allowed to at that point of his life. Like it wasn't talked about. A lot of that was reopened in a different form when my sister passed. And so you're never going to escape it. It will just manifest itself into something else. So I think that the people I could, I wouldn't, I would say even the people who you would say are strong people, even sometimes those aren't the people who are really healing or finding ways to, let's say for lack of a better word, just deal with their grief. Um, but it's, it could be in the most, the, the quiet person who just knows that, you know, their heart is calling and it hurts and they need help. So 
I think that there's not one, even a per, like person necessarily, um, but the people who do choose to understand their grief in some capacity are the ones who will be able to utilize what they've learned and what's going on and, and kind of be uh, more present in their grief without it really taking over their life. Because I truly feel that it will, it will take over their health. It will take over their body. They will, they will feel their grief. If you do not address it, you will feel your grief in ways in other, in other parts. So it's really a choice. And uh, those who choose to move forward and, and really understand it are the ones that could possibly be, you know, the person who, who their friend says, you know, it may be time to, to join like a free grief group that um, you don't even have to talk or, you know, so it's, it's also about that community. What could we, how could we help people? Even if you're not the one helping them, how can you at least, you know, be there for someone in that time. And, and you kind of in turn have to, if you are the griever, you have to allow people in because you never know what, what will happen in that. I have heard that, uh, grief is the price of love was phrased that way. Would you say the same thing or use a different way to say that? I think that it is very adequate for that. (laughs) It's, um, (laughs) it is, it's almost, I've also heard, uh, these are not my words that it's, um, grief is a mirror of love, the mirror mm, image. Um, yeah. it just is in a different form. And yeah. that's why I think it's important to respect that. You know, I do think yeah. it is love. And if you, mm. you know, like I said, if you love someone so much, what are you going to do with all that when they, when they're gone? Yeah. And, um, it's a tribute to them. It's, it's yeah. what I feel is when you are, uh, really examining how, much they meant to you and, um, you are respecting your grief, then you are also are honoring that person because they, they, because you did care and you did love them so much and they have impacted your life. So it's up to you to figure out how they've impacted your life and, and know that it doesn't, what you learned from that person doesn't stop when they leave this earth. And, but you have to keep going and you have to keep asking yourself why and, um, among other questions that can really lead to you learning a lot. I, I still to this day learn so much from my sister and yeah. it's really, it's, it's really beautiful. And it's just, it's, I think that's, what's kept me going. If I could, if I could tell anyone what's really kept me going is continuing to learn from her and re reliving moments and, understanding who she was and what she wanted to offer the world and how she lived her life. Like the example of all that right. over why was she, why is she gone? Right. You know, I, I, I choose to do a different. Did you learn that from someone or this is something that you discovered within yourself? You know, I, I started discovering this when I was in a grief group and I started listening to other people tell their story and I started learning from their loved one and they're not even here. Mm -hmm. And I, and I didn't even know them. And so I was thinking, wow, I really need to focus on that. I really, that's, that's, what's going to get me through this. I need to go back to my sister and our childhood, our upbringing, everything that we've really lived together. And 
and and continue that because that's what that's what's going to get get me through this. I think it was just um, again <laughs> with a group of people and us sharing our our grief and uh, learning that that their why their their purpose on life for to be in our lives is really per really beautiful and something that we really need to reflect on. Can we somehow prepare to lose someone we love? and suffer less or feel less of those um, ups and downs of the grieving process? The the answer is no. <laughs> right. I get that every time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. I, I think, you know, what, what's, I, I've, yeah. I'm glad you asked this question because it is a question that I've asked myself. It's a question that I've, you know, when I was, when I was creating this book, like it, it definitely, and when you're speaking to people who are in hospice or caregivers, um, people who family have to care for the people who are terminally ill, like those people know it best that even though I've been caring and I know the inevitable, yeah. it, it doesn't make it any different. And I think that a, a pastor once said to me, if you knew exactly the reason why they were taken from this earth, would it erase your grief? Mm, right. I was like, absolutely not. Right. It, it wouldn't. I mean, that, that right. the answer is no. So I think that even if you prepare and someone tells you you're going to be without this person or, you know, there, there are ways to sure prepare for the aftermath of it in yeah. some capacity, but not, not in the, the way that you're going to skip a stage of grief or you're not going to feel the effects or really grieve in any less, to be honest. Yeah. So your workbook, you have um, lots of exercise Five of them, right, Megan? I had access to two, but five of them. The first one, exercise one, access your emotional needs. Exercise two, define the right kind of why. Exercise three, plan for the road ahead. Four, learn coping strategies. Five, create a new beginning. So talk to me about the why exercise. Sure. So this this goes back to we are a cause and effect society. We want to know why things happen and in science and even in just regular life, we're taught, you know, that if you do this and this is, this is what will happen or um, this is what could happen. I mean, you know, so yeah, yeah. with that said, I think that the why needed to be reframed when I did go th through that first grief group in order to not dwell on the, why did this happen? Why did she have to have cancer? Why, why did this 18 wheeler decide to be reckless? Why her and not me with survivors, survivors guilt, guilt, this is a huge thing. Why her and not me mm. and so on and so forth. So right. the why is to really direct your questioning to why were they in your life? So that, right. you know, if you think of right. your mother, your father, your, your, your sister, your brother, your husband, whoever it may be, they had an impact and that impact is why they were here, why they were taken too early or, you know, just in general, just taken from this earth. That is a question we will never know right. um, fully. Right. And so that's why I choose to reframe that question and have a more healthy 
perspective, because once you dive into that alone, it opens up a world of the less lessons and love again. Mm. So you felt that love when they were here in your, in their, you know, in your presence. And so it really does give you um, a reconnection almost to them. I have noticed that by talking to so many people that grief or losing somebody we love is one of the most painful experiences we can have in a human body. Oh, yes. It's days leading, uh, you know, up to the funeral was difficult. And then after the funeral, but I remember just, I remember waking up some days and my body just feeling, you know, physically ill, (laughs) but also just unlike anything I have ever experienced on the depth of it. You know, I, I, I look, I've had heartbreak in my life, you know, that hard heartbreak I've had all kinds of things. And, and, and that's not, um, to say that, that first of all, one grief is not just bigger than the other. Right. Uh, it's just different and there's different layers. Like with a parent, it could be a different layer to that. But I do think that, yeah, by far my, my, in my opinion, the most painful experience, uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, all of the, it it makes you question everything about your life. It literally explodes (laughs) your life. And then you're picking up the pieces of, do I believe in this anymore? What am Mm. I doing in my life? I mean, there's so many questions. So that's, that's why I do what I do is because there are so many questions and people are so lost after that you just need a little guidance into kind of rebuilding your life again. And the first exercise, I think we we talked earlier about the choices uh, we have, those going through the grieving process, grief. So we're choosing uh, what is the right group, the right method, the right healing method to engage with. And you you give so many options and you explain, because that goes back to understanding, right? It's so important that we get to feel the feelings and understand them because that's what they're here for. They're trying to say something. So we need to understand the feelings, listen to them, understand, and then express it. It's easy said than done, but um, right. exactly. <laughs> so, so much yeah, easier to say that. It sounds so easy, but yes, yes, exactly. Uh, wow. So we are almost at the end and I, have, I do have a few more questions for you. Would you like to add anything or read a passage or any section in your book? I think that I would like to add that it takes a lot of energy and time and um, preparing to share your story. So I, I just want to tell anyone in grief that if you see someone like myself or hear my story and I seem so open about it, there it's, it has been a process, like you've said, and you just have to start with baby steps at some points, but I promise you that when you once you open up the door to healing in some capacity, that you that fear that of unknown will start to melt more and more, and then you will be in the position to to just keep doing the work. And just that one first step. It could be this book. It could be a grief group. It could be finding your, the right therapist. It could be just telling your family what you need mm, right. in your grief. But that first step is yeah. 
the most important one. Yeah, that's a very important message. Thank you again, Megan. The first step, and I'm wondering why it's so... um, It's so challenging for most of us to do that. It was my case with so many other challenges I had in life, taking that first step. And that's why you keep saying community. It's so important because that will lead us to take that first step. Yes, exactly. Yes. So two more questions for you. What is another word for healing? What comes to mind? Uh, Healing, you know, I'd say growth. And my hesitation with that is, I don't want people to think that bad things happen like, you know, death or a death that is, you know, very traumatic and that you're meant to grow from that. You can choose to grow and you can choose to change in your ways in some capacity, but but it doesn't mean that that was the purpose of it uh, from your, Mm -hmm. so, but, but I do feel that healing when you do choose to heal, um, you choose to grow and that could be grow in love just the way that you see the world so many so many different ways but grow growth is the word i'd use for sure yeah yeah what comes to me is a change in perception or perspective mm, yeah that sounds to me like it's in itself it's growth in a very profound way my last question to you is what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment mm-hmm. <laughs> i always ask that um, question <laughs> wow <laughs> I don't know a lot. No, um, let's see. I, I would say if I'm, I'm just going to personally speak what I know for sure is that when you put in the work and effort, because I, you look, if you don't, I don't want to minimize this. It is a lot of work to maintain your, your mental health. Um, but it is so rewarding that it's like that marathon runner who keeps going, even though they know they're going to be painful come mile, <laughs> you know, I don't know, whatever, 12, you know, they have to keep pushing. They keep doing marathons because they know the reward of achievement and um, perseverance is going to outweigh everything else. So I think that that um, is what I know for sure. When you keep doing and keep striving, um, then you will see the reward. Uh Second, that, oh man, to, to love um, is, again, the, the most rewarding thing to give love and to, re- and to allow yourself to receive it. And that includes loving yourself is the second thing. And the third thing would, would be that um, no loss, no grief, uh, no death is, uh, should ever be minimized. It could be a cat. It could be, you know, your loved one or someone you you haven't seen in 10 years. If you feel that it is real, that's what I know. It is real. And if that, if that, that emotion is driven by that loss, then, then that means that you did love and you did care. And, um, so don't ever let anyone minimize that for sure. Thank you so much, Megan, again, for your presence, for sharing your wisdom, the work you do, helping others to see that it's possible to find inner peace or joy, whatever the destination is, which I found that most people, we all want to be happy. We want to be in that peaceful place. And that's what your contribution is. Thank you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So all of my uh, platforms are Coach Megan Young. 
So it's coachmeganyoung.com. It's uh, Coach Megan Young on Instagram and Facebook. That's M-E-G-A-N-Y-O-U-N-G. And um, I think everything that I offer is there. Um, and of course, you know, you can email me, Coach Megan Young at Gmail. So there's yeah. I'll have your website in the podcast profile. Thank you so much again, Megan. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Meg Young and her work, please visit megyounglcsw.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>